Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to all of you on week 11 of Flourishing in Isolation. I hope you've got your Bibles open and ready. If not, I encourage you, go grab a Bible and get yourself comfortable. We want to do some studying of the Word of God today with you all. Um, as you know, we are continuing our exploration of what are, are known as the prison letters. Those four books in the Bible written by Paul under house arrest in Rome. And uh, if you've not been catching up with the series so far, then I want to encourage you, do go back. Uh, you can watch on iTunes, listen on iTunes, or you can watch on YouTube, wherever works for you. And we are asking this question, what can we learn today from these ancient texts so that we can also flourish in isolation just as the writer Paul did? I really hope that this is helpful to you. I'm spending a lot of time studying, preparing, so we can learn together. And I wanna hear from you. Tell me, how are you getting on? It's important that we are making good use of every opportunity as we've learned from the previous book that we looked at. I'd love to hear your stories. I would love to hear how you are getting on in isolation, how you are flourishing, uh, especially maybe there's some easing of, of uh, lockdown that's taking place at the moment. I would love to hear from you. All feedback is useful. As we often say, we don't learn through experience. We learn through assessed experience. People do experience things over and over again and sometimes never learn. And I'm keen that we learn and keep on learning to make sure that what we do in the future benefits from what we are gaining feedback on in the present. So do get in touch. We do love to hear from you. You can contact us through various social media channels or via our church website. We'd love to get in touch to do that. And if this is helping you, if this has been a useful series, then do share it with others. Say to others, why don't you have a listen in? Why don't you send the link to someone or hit the share button or whatever platform you're using and uh, just to make sure that this is a beneficial resource to as many people as possible. We share what we have to help others grow at this time. Wonderful. Well, hopefully those of you with us remember last week, we learned about how to flourish in isolation through the very beginning of the book of Philippians. Uh, this is Paul's second prison letter book um, to a church in the, the town of Philippi. We learned looked about its location on that long Roman road right through the middle of Europe and uh, the benefits of that and where Paul would often pass through Philippi. We reminded last week that we are only able to do our part, but we must step back and let God do his part, that what only he can do. You know, we said we should choose joy. Remember, we talked about joy and our choice is we get to choose to pray for others and choose joy and that we need to do our part and we can choose how we react to circumstances we are facing. We talked about that God will finish his work. What he has started, he will finish. Not always are we good at finishing what we've begun, but God says he will finish his work. That's his part. Our job is to choose joy, to pray for others. And then lastly, we talked about enjoying and the word enjoy meaning putting joy into uh, wherever you are whatever you are doing on the way to where you are going we put the joy in to our activities that's the bit that we get to do so I guess a question I want to ask you today is how are you getting on at putting joy into your week how are you getting on at choosing joy has that been an easy thing to do has it been something you've deliberately had to choose to do or has it been something you keep forgetting oh I've had a tough day today the last thing I want to do is to choose joy are you choosing to enjoy your limitations rather than become frustrated 
by them. We can all sit in the same place, but we can have very different experiences. To be grateful for what you do have rather than annoyed by what you don't. It reminds me of a famous quote by Dale Carnegie. He said these words, he said, two men looked through the same prison bars. One saw mud, the other saw stars. We get to choose what we see in the life that we experience. I wonder what you've been choosing in these last few days. Well, let's crack on then, shall we, into Philippians 1. Philippians 1 verse, we're going to start from verse 12. And it says these words, um, I'm using the NLT version, New Living Translation of the Bible, but you can find a different one. The words will be appearing on the screen uh, below me here. So Paul's joy that Christ is preaching, Philippians 1 verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here. Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. This is the writer Paul, who, as we said earlier, was under house arrest in Rome. He is saying his circumstances have helped him spread the good news. He's in prison, he's under house arrest, but he's choosing to say his circumstances have enabled the message of Jesus Christ he spread far and wide. What a perspective. What a choice that he is making here. He might be in prison, but there is plenty of good coming out of it. He is seeing his difficulty as an opportunity. I wonder how many of us would feel like Paul in that moment. How often do we, do I moan about our circumstances rather than celebrating the trials and challenges that we are facing throughout our life as those opportunities happen? We don't see them as opportunities, we see them as difficulties, something to moan about, complain about, uh, whinge about. But it's so much more than that. It's opportunities come throughout our life, opportunities to learn through difficult times, opportunities to grow through challenging moments, opportunities to try something different when all else has failed, opportunities to start again when the latest project has come to an end, opportunities to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to a whole new audience. That's what Paul is saying here. It's getting more rather than decreasing, it's increasing. It reminds me of those famous verses at the beginning of the book of James, James chapter one, where he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you could become pure and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what James said. Paul is saying the same thing. He said, there's great things coming out of these challenges. And I've been challenged myself this last few days going, what are the good things? What's the gold that's come out of lockdown? What's the bit that I can really celebrate in this season? That's not been easy, but good has come out of it. Things like a new appreciation for what we do have. I'm so grateful for all the things that I do have, even though things I'm unable to do right now. I'm so thankful for the weather we've had in recent times. I'm thankful for God's creation, seemingly an increase of birds and nature in my garden, for the ability to go for long walks and enjoy the scenery, 
gratitude for the NHS, for delivery drivers, for bin men, for teachers, for shop workers, and for the ability to have nice long meals with my family all sitting around the table together. I'm so grateful for those moments. I'm grateful for the church, Freedom Church that I'm part of, that we're still able to connect online. It may not be what we'd prefer, but we are managing to still stay in community, to stay a part of belonging. I've loved the fact that in this time of lockdown, uh, we've had 50 different people from our church lead morning prayers at 8.30 in the morning. Each morning we've had a time of prayer on Facebook Live in our church community Facebook group and, and different people bring in different skills, different talents. Someone played the piano to a, a psalm one week. Uh, somebody took us for a walk out into the woods another week and different things have taken place. But since uh, lockdown began, we've had so many different and diverse uh, times of prayer. It's been wonderful. And I'll be so thankful for the opportunity to slow down, to breathe again, to pause, to let my soul recover. There's so much to be grateful for. Our circumstances may not be what we had planned. It may not be what you had planned at the start of the year. Maybe you had holidays all lined up. Maybe you had weddings and family events, business trips in your diary. But that has now had to be cancelled or postponed. And we can moan about our circumstances or see our difficulties as opportunities to spread the amazing good news of Jesus Christ who set us free so we can live life to the full. And we may be locked down, but we can still live our lives to the full, completely and wholly, utterly in love with Jesus Christ. Nothing has to change. Our circumstances might be difficult, but the truth of the gospel remains the same. And Paul is saying there, he said, I'm in prison but I'm still recognising the message of Jesus being spread further than ever before. And he's saying here, this is fascinating, he said that everybody, everybody knows about Paul's story. And he says they're the palace guard, but actually if you go into the scripture, he's talking there at a praetorium or a Roman encampment. It was like a, a huge headquarters for the Roman army on the outskirts of Rome. It would have quite easily held thousands of soldiers, or it might be senior Roman officials like a parliament overseeing the empire. We're not sure exactly what we know. There was hundreds, if not thousands of people living in that space, and they all knew that Paul was in prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Even his guards, knew what he was about. I wonder how many people know your story of faith. I always say to people in our church community, I say, you know, whenever you start a new job or move to a new place, new home, have new neighbours, start a new school, university, college, tell your friends and people you meet as soon as possible about your Christian faith, about your love for God. Don't let it linger, because the longer you leave it, the harder it is to tell people that you've actually got a Christian faith, you just forgot to mention it. Get in there quick, get in there early. The longer you leave it, the harder it will be. It's so important to tell our story. Paul is saying, I was locked up, but I still preach the good news of Jesus. Our excuses are a lot less than that. I remember once hearing the story about a, a younger guy who'd been off to university and a bunch of his friends, they'd gone through school together, gone through sixth form college together, and they went off to university, three different universities, three young men, and uh, one of them was a Christian, but he never told his two friends. They were the, his best friends, but he never passed on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to his other friends. And so in the Christmas time, they met back up after the term had come to an end for a drink at a local pub. And one of his friends 
had come back from university, had found faith and got saved. And he turned to his other friend who'd been a Christian for all of his life. who had been brought up in a Christian family who went to church every Sunday. And he turned to him and said, why did you never tell me the good news about Jesus? It took me to go away to university to find Jesus myself. And you had the secret all along and you never told me. We have a good news story to share and I encourage you to share it as possibly as you can. It's never been as easy. You can like things online, share things online. You can find a a suitable Bible verse and you can post that if you want to. You can share a video of uh, church online, uh, whatever you can do. What's the worst that can happen? Your friends might block you, but maybe they're not really friends anyway. You can share the goodies of Jesus like never before all around the world. And Paul is saying, you know, I'm in prison. But my imprisonment and my my celebration of the gospel message has empowered other believers. It's given them confidence. It's given them courage. You speaking out what you believe will inspire confidence in other believers to speak out what they believe as well. Courage is catching. Courage is infectious. It makes us think, well, if they can do it, I could do it. A single voice becomes a rallying cry to the masses. A small whisper becomes a loud crescendo when we work together. You staying quiet doesn't do anyone any favours. Speak up for what you believe in. It will give confidence to others and so their voice may join yours in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was saying here. He said, I'm locked up but the story is still being spread. Everyone knows about it and I'm sharing it with anyone I can find. Let's be like Paul in that story. Jumping ahead to verse 15 says this, it is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter, he says. Whether their motives are genuine or false, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He's choosing to rejoice, to do joy again, to repeat joy. He's choosing joy. People are preaching the message of Jesus for different reasons. And Paul says, and does it really matter? Paul is responding here to some of the concerns that are being raised to him by fellow believers, by friends, by followers. They're saying, they are, they're complaining. They're going, look, have you heard so-and-so? They're preaching the message of Jesus. We not think they even believe in Jesus. That person's preaching Jesus, but he just wants some more likes on his social media status. That's why he's doing it. And they've got all these different reasons. They're complaining that some people are preaching Jesus because of jealousy, rivalry, selfish ambition and insincerity. But Paul is saying, so? It doesn't matter. He's saying, forget about them. Either way, the name of Jesus is getting preached. Recently, one of my children came to see me and they'd had a conversation with some Christian friends in an online forum and they were really concerned about a big church in the States and then heard some things about them that they thought, Dad, is this church really, do they really believe in Jesus? Because some of the things people are saying about them isn't very kind. 
And they're saying things about they're, they're hypocritical and they don't believe the true message of Jesus. And they were saying all these things and she came to see me a bit concerned about some of the things that were being said. And I'd been, I've, I've visited the church that she had in question and I was able to say that that is a good church led by some really good people. And I'm sure there's always going to be whispers and rumours and things that aren't good, but they are doing some really good things. And we had a really good conversation about how we speak about other people and how we make sure that we keep our own self in the right way. And we can get sidetracked by side issues. We can spend a lot of our energy focusing on other people and what they are doing or not doing. But what God is calling us is to share the good news with as many people as possible. And if people around the world are sharing the good news of Jesus with different reasons behind it, at one level, as Paul says, does it really matter? Does it really matter as long as the message is being shared? You know, sometimes I've seen them online, Christian keyboard warriors, we might call them. They get their spiritual knickers in a twist about a piece of information or about a church or about a preacher or about something online. And they complain and they go on their, their Facebook feeds and they, and they kind of rattle out you know, negative things about them. They declare truth about them. They, they bring up Bible verse to contradict what they've been preaching. And they're outraged and they're disgusted with their behaviour. But sometimes the very words they're using are unkind and unloving. Our responsibility is not to be the spiritual policeman of the world, correcting behaviour of other Christians. It's to love our neighbour as ourselves, to focus on our own behaviour, to take the log out of our own eye before we take the speck out of somebody else's, to tell others, the ones we're closest to about Jesus. Let's not moan about people the other side of the Atlantic. Let's take time and, and actually invest in our family in our neighbours, in our friends, our work colleagues, those at school and college. That's our responsibility. That's where we should be sharing the good news of Jesus rather than moan about the way other people do it. It doesn't really matter how or why people are preaching the name of Jesus. The fact is they are, and that is a good thing. As the marketing ad goes, there's no such thing as bad publicity. It's all good publicity for telling the story of Jesus. It reminds me of that moment when Jesus and Peter have had their chat on the beach about Peter's behaviour before Jesus was arrested, when Jesus forgives Peter three times. And in John 21, Peter, after going through this process of feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, Peter then turns around and points at John, the disciple that Jesus loves. He goes, well, what about him? And Jesus says, what's it to you? He said, what's it to you? He said, if I want him to remain alive until return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me, Jesus says. Let's not worry about others and what they're doing. What are you doing? What am I doing? Jesus said, follow me. Paul is saying here, don't worry about people's intention. Just worry about your behaviour. He said, I'd rather you pray for me than worry about other people and what they're doing. Paul's attitude is incredible. He's forgetting other people's motives and he's saying there's a better response to be had here. What is your response? A response is always better than an excuse. Excuses give us reasons why. A response is a choosing a different set of stories. And we're choosing to say, actually, let's be people who pray 
And I want to pray today, God, would you forgive us for when we've been so overcome with worry about other people and what other people think, how other people are behaving, how other churches are doing things or not doing things. I've got sidetracked. I've got worried about other people when I should be taking care of my own soul, my own well-being and loving my neighbour as much as I love myself. Lord, help us. Help us to look around us, to be salt and light, to make a difference in the community you've placed us rather than worrying about places that we are not involved, where we have no relationship at all. Okay, let's jump to verse 20. Verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, he's saying to the Philippians here, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Does the way you live your life truly bring honour to Jesus? Whether you live or die, will Jesus get the glory? How close to the truth do you live? Those small lines. I know that when uh, we get called for dinner and I'm middle of something, I'll, I'll always say the same phrase, I'm on my way. When the truth is, I'm not on my way. I'm going to finish what I'm doing and then make my way to the dinner table. It's a tiny lie, but it's not true. Or when someone messages you and says, you know, can we meet up? And you reply, yes, I'd love to meet you. When you know inside you have no intention of really meeting up with that person. You're just trying to put it off as long as possible. Small lies, there's a gap between who you are and who you want to be. We can start to exaggerate or embellish the words that we use. We may say things like, oh, you know what? I had an amazing quiet time with God this morning. Actually, my mind was all over the place and I couldn't focus on the words of God in front of me. Or I might say, we had hundreds of people online at church this weekend, which is kind of true, but many of those hundreds were people just flicking through on their Facebook timeline and just scrolling past our church online service. They're small details, but our exaggeration is a gap between what is true and what is real. And we need to work harder at making sure the way we live our life is honouring to Christ and we are more truthful in even the smaller details. As Craig Rochelle says these words, everything that is said should be true, but not everything that is true should be said. And we've got to choose our words carefully to watch the details of our language. The devil is in the details and you must sweat the small stuff. The small things we do affect the big things that we decide to do. They impact us. Those small diversions slowly create an inauthentic life. 
If we want to live life to the full, that means living every day life to the full. Being fully present in the moment. Being now. Being somebody who lives for the present moment. Or as William Wallace said, while on the back of his horse, covered in blue paint, shouting at thousands of Scottish army members, he said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. How do we live our lives? How are we living them for Christ? Are we reflecting Christ in the decisions we are making? And when we die, what is the legacy we will live? Nobody will be concerned by your great achievements, your earning, your position in the company, what you have done with your life, but they will remember how they were treated and how they felt when you spent time with them, whether you looked them in the eye when you spoke to them, whether you listened to their answer, but not just cracking on with the next question, whether you spent time waiting and listening fully to what they were saying, rather than just using that time to create your next question you're gonna ask that person. Or how you, maybe when you're talking to somebody, you're more interested in your phone that's buzzing in your hand, the latest sports score, the social media feed, or maybe you wanna take a selfie because they're a famous person, or maybe there's something that's more interesting to you. Other people in the room, perhaps. How we treat people is how people remember us how you interact with them. As Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's live fully, reflecting Jesus every single moment that we have, every conversation we have, whether it's with important people or everyday people, with family or friends or people we bump into in the local stores and supermarkets. Let's make sure that we speak to people as they are people who made in the image of God. Last few verses then from chapter one, starting at verse 27, says these words. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies, this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Wow, we have the privilege of trusting in Christ and, and suffering for him. Trusting in and suffering for, a privilege to suffer. What a statement. And Paul is, is this is kind of a big rah-rah. He's saying, come on guys, you know how this is. We're on the same team together. He's saying you can stand together with one spirit, one purpose, and you can fight together for the faith. And the challenge is sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ is to know when to stand together and when to fight together, when to choose to stay firm then and put on the armour of God and when to get out the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and saying it's time to fight, when to stand firm, when to act, when to turn the other cheek and when to respond. I've been really taken with the story that's coming out of America around uh, George Floyd and that tragic death there, that uh, gentleman. 
And the story that's come out and the, the riots taking place on streets and looting of shops and, and the behavior of people in that community has been horrendous. And a friend of mine in Chicago, uh, Pastor Matt DiMatteo of New Life Community Church, just wrote a post I was reading this afternoon, talking about how they are walking around uh, his, the, he lives in Chicago, and one of the uh, communities around there is called Little Village, which is like a, a massive district of Chicago. And he's known in the town, and him and many other volunteers have been, have been just walking around the streets, praying with, uh, with like brightly coloured fluorescent uh, uh, jackets on and just protecting their community from looters of praying and speaking peace and making sure people are safe and just making sure that there is no tension in the air and I love the fact that he just said I've been up every day I'm doing 18 hours a day I'm on the streets I'm talking to people I'm engaging with people and he's choosing not to just to stand firm he's choosing a different message he's choosing to react in a positive and peaceful way and please join me in praying for our brothers and sisters in America at this time, what they are facing. It's not a, a black versus white scenario. It's a humanity issue. How we treat one another. Every life matters. How do we care for each other this time? And Paul is saying here, even though his scenario is very different to what we're facing today, he's saying, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. The world seems vast. And certainly things, these rise up and the coronavirus pandemic, pandemic even uh, has come up and we can end up feeling like, oh, it's too big. What can I do? We can stand together. We can fight together. We can not be intimidated by the enemies, whether they are spiritual, whether they are virtual, whether they're online, whether they are real issues, looting of street corner um, shops and, and supermarkets. We can choose to stand together to choose not to be intimidated, to choose the fact there is one body, one Christ, one family, one church. We are all together in him. So as we wrap up today, what can we learn from this book of Philippians that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago that could help us flourish in our isolation right now? It's a reminder that we have a call to live out each day as if it were our last. Because one day it will be. To make sure we spend time sharing our faith with everyone. To stop worrying what others are doing and choose to follow Jesus. To give our energy and our attention to Jesus Christ. To live every day bringing honour to Jesus Christ with our words, with our deeds, with our actions and to say yes we are in this together. We stand firm, one spirit, one purpose, fighting together and we will not be intimidated by the enemies that are surrounding us at this time. So Lord God I pray for every single person listening right now. I pray you would help us to flourish. Lord would we not make excuses about our circumstances but will we choose joy? Will we choose you? Will we choose to not be get distracted by what other people are doing, but we choose to say, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? Lord, help us to pause, to rest, to give our attention to you as our Father God, the one that we love, the one that gives us purpose and reason. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in the United States of America right now, as they are dealing with such a challenging issue. We pray for peace. 
We pray for the presence of God. We pray for humility. We pray for leaders to make good decisions. We pray for the police force. We pray for those who are having to work out how to change the mindset of a community that's uprising. Lord, may peace return, I pray. But more than that, would something shift and something change? So it's not just a, a momentary peace, but a permanent peace of your spirit at work in that nation, we pray. Lord, we pray these things in the power and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us once again. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.